in the kids' eggs, it was all just candy. So we wanted to make sure that we just loaded them up with sugar and then sent them home. Guess what? We're gonna have two Easter egg hunts. One for pre-K all the way down for the little mega egg! And if you find a it? Nintendo Switch, Mega and if you find this man and you say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and he goes, what? God loves me? That's fantastic. I love me too. Well, this is wonderful. And you're even saying that he loves me more than I love me? Now that sounds impossible. How could anyone have such a great love? And God has a wonderful plan for my life. Oh, I have a wonderful plan for my life too. And you're telling me that if I accept this Jesus, he will help me with all my wonderful plans and I can have my best life now? Yes. Well, then I'll take a God like that. You got two of them? Do you see that? Now you say, Brother Paul, it's, it, we don't mean it that way. That's a, but that's the way it's coming out. This week on the Patriot Collective Podcast, three ways we invalidate the sacrifice. Stay tuned. Hey, so this is second try. Let's open up in prayer because I'm not, everything sounds great. So I think uh, just a simple exit and enter fix the problem. So let's pray um, and, and, and get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for your wonderful sacrifice. And we have the opportunity to speak about the sufficiency of what you did on Calvary, Lord. And we just thank you. And we just ask that you convict us and you have us think of some of the implications that we're talking about today. Some deep, deep implications. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, amen. so let's go through our little tradition. How was Sunday? Yeah, Sunday is great, praise God. Okay. You know. All right. What, what did we take away? What? What? How was church? Isaac already told us on the first mess up, so he's <laughs> tired. He doesn't want to repeat it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go, ne- Isaac. Never again. No. He, he was talking about Joseph. You want me to, you want me to tell him what you said, Isaac? You want to tell the story? No, no. We, uh. No, Sunday was Sunday was great. You know, Sunday was great. And then again, this week, uh, we have our men's Bible study. We just finished uh, the last week of our study of the life of Joseph. So that's exciting. And of course, you know, looking forward to uh, this Friday and this upcoming Sunday. You know, God amen. is good. Amen. 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 And Josh, how was your uh, feeding the homeless ministry? How did that go? It was good, man. It's I had a, a friend of mine. He he helps out from time to time and he was able to cook. And, you know, just met him over there. We did our, our ministry thing. Uh, we have a company usually that donates a lot of stuff. They're a food distributor. So they give us boxes and boxes of stuff always. So that's always a blessing, seeing them happy because they have extra stuff to take home. And, and Tuesday was rough. Uh, my nephew got into an ATV accident where the ATV flipped on him. And he has a lot of broken bones, broken skull, broken nose, broken jaw. Mm. 
his fiance had a some hairline fracture in her spine also so we need your prayers guys uh, pray for them uh, she was released from the hospital already she had a back brace and hopefully she's gonna heal soon and he's today he was the whole day in you know in surgeries getting getting surgeries getting everything patched up and he'll he's gonna be in the hospital you know at least for a week until they finish you know fixing all the broken bones and all that stuff Wow. but you know it was it was rough it was rough that's that's my boy you know he was always with us in the summer and and you know we had so many pictures of him and, and we love him so we're praying for him we've been praying for him non-stop and we'll continue praying for him amen amen, amen. so amen. let's see now what's, what's his first prayer. name brandon matias brandon yeah. matias awesome so for those of you who are prayer warriors who pray a lot please pray pray for uh brandon and the lord's healing hand over his life and uh not just in this instance but the lord glorify himself through this incident amen amen all right well you know today is something that i think we all of us discussed about the importance we 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 talked about uh, the sufficiency and i think this topic continues to come up over and over again whether we talk about spiritual warfare whether we 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 get into any type of theology discussion about legalism and what is legalism um we'll touch on dead works today but uh so much of bad theology is fixed when we consider does this diminish the sufficiency of what christ did on the cross now i know the title can be a little misleading because the title says um, three ways we invalidate the sacrifice. Nothing can invalidate the sacrifice, but perhaps it's more how we attempt to invalidate or consequentially some of the things that sound like we're trying to invalidate the sacrifice of Christ. And this is so important. And I know that, you know, we always throw these little introductions as a little funny comedy thing because like oh there goes ben you know attacking the easter bunny things again and um you know and hateful. so so hateful i know right oh you're so intolerant but but it, it highlights the point right I, I i don't have anything against people want to go and find some eggs and hide some eggs mega eggs mega mega eggs where they mega can, eggs listen to me i hear people say all the time right so uh mega eggs where they can get a nintendo switch right but here's here's the point it's when it becomes so focused on that on the experience uh rather than on the relationship with christ and and, and what uh easter really is about okay uh so i i kind of want to shift our focus to that and i know that we had like we, we had these side huddles all the time and and then we have the honor to come and talk to people and pour into their lives and really start talking out loud all these little things that we talk on the side about. But uh, we were talking about how dead works um, has a tendency to try to invalidate the sacrifice of Christ. And um, I don't know who wants to go first, but you know what? Yeah. First thing I think for the audience, because Maybe the audience are not theologues and they're not really into like the, you know, those terms. But what are dead works? 
and and how do they try to invalidate the sacrifice of Christ? Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, uh, one, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a blessing to be with you guys on this topic. As Easter, you know, Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday is upon us. Uh, I pray that you guys have a great Good Friday service tomorrow and and uh, Resurrection Sunday service on, on Sunday. Amen. You know, it's a time of reflection, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a time of reflection as these days draw near specifically. I, I think in order to understand how dead works might validate the sacrifice of Christ, it may be important to first rewind a little bit and look at what was the necessity of the sacrifice, right? We know that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the scriptures teach us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were children of wrath, right? The Bible is very clear that we are totally depraved. We are totally enabled, right? And all of this is due to original sin. The Bible teaches that as a consequence of the fall of man, each person in the world is morally corrupt. We're unable to seek God to, to achieve salvation. We're unable to, to choose Christ uh, and gain salvation by our own merits, right? And then the scripture continues. He says, but God, in verse 4, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By, by grace, you have been saved. So in order to understand how dead works invalidate the sacrifice, we have to first understand the necessity of the sacrifice. Romans 5 Six nine further evaluates this for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one person would daily die, uh, would dare to even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Again, going back to the sacrifice, Christ died for Amen. us. Therefore, we have now been justified by His blood. Much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath. Of God right and so the mechanism that Christ chooses for this gift of salvation is the sacrifice of the sinless God man Jesus himself right it's his death burial and resurrection which validates us and without the sacrifice there is no salvation but here goes the dead works in steps the believer the churchgoer the righteous the religious right and they say to themselves and and some of them with good intentions and others uh, out of sheer ignorance right they seek to do works in order to gain um, a closer access to God, right? So they say to themselves, I do this so God can. And we've had this discussion before, right, Carlos? I, I do A so God can do B. I give so God can bless. I go to church so I can receive. I, I serve in order to gain God's favor, right? And I think uh, you and I and, and Josh, we've had these discussions where we speak of sin. And, and one thing that we've always said, and, and we've said this for, gosh, uh, 15, 16, 17 years of ministry, you know, uh, sin is not what you do. It's why you do what you do, right? So, so the, the dead work is a work that does in order to receive from God, but a living work is a work that does because of what God has already given. It's a change in mind, a change in heart, a change in perspective. Right. I think Paul, if I could could just go on a little rant here, he he dives into this pretty deeply with the church in Galatia. And we're familiar. And if you're not, we can go to Galatians chapter three, verse one through seven. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer all those things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Right? And so Paul is speaking to the church in Galatians and he's letting them know, hey, you receive Jesus Christ through faith. Why are you seeking to be justified now by the law? And we do this, right? And, and again, either, either it's due to ignorance um, or, 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 you know, it's with good intentions or, or just straight up ignorance. We, we try to do things in order to earn favor from God. Paul continues in Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. He says, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. You see, it's vital to understand that salvation is a monergistic act of God. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And what Paul is saying here is that your works didn't save you, nor can your works sustain you. You know? And mm -hmm. so I, I just find that so interesting. You, you see it in the church all the time. Go ahead, Carlos. Yeah, so you know, for for those of, of us who are non-Calvinist, <laughs> so in terms of the monergistic well, idea where God does it all, man has no responsibility. But that that's debatable. But your point is well taken, and 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 I think we're closer. Uh, we're closer together than we are further apart on that. And I think you're absolutely right in the sense that uh, I I think you did a wonderful job, sort of really honing in that part and so let me let me just add this part because from an everyday believing life and from an everyday believer's life what does that look like right and isaac kind of hit on that and so there are things we do that and they're man let me tell you something we are sneaky people absolutely we are so sneaky you know uh the bible says that our heart our heart is sick who can understand it like we're, we're just like we trick ourselves. And so that looks something like conversations with ourselves about going to church. Like my family's in trouble. If I go to church, God will fix it. My right. kids are in trouble. If I take my kids to youth, youth group, God's going to fix my kids, right? It looks like my marriage is in trouble. And what I'm going to do is X, Y, Z to move God's hands. And, and, and listen to me, because this is so important, because this is why you are fatigued. This is why you burn out. Christians burn out. Christians burn out because they participate in dead works. When, right. when what happens is not aligned with the expectations. When you have an expectation, right, that God is going to do something and the end result doesn't line up with it. And so this is crucial in understanding the importance and how that impacts your thoughts about the sacrifice of Christ. So Isaac or Josh, whoever, uh, and, and so let me ask you a question. So what's the counter? What's the counter to dead works? It's doing good works. 
<laughs> it's, what, what, what are good works? It, it's it's the intent of the heart. I when I go feed the homeless, okay, I post it on Facebook, and and I do not do it, okay, for people to tap me on the back, okay. I do it because I want people to contribute. I want people to join me. I want people to come and and understand what it is to be a Christian, to love your neighbor, to want it to want to be able to help the needy okay uh, I had when I used to take the teenagers to go feed the homeless you know I used to tell them put your phones away okay and they used to tell me oh but why I want to show my friends that I'm feeding the homeless and I told them if so if you cannot use your phone and show your friends that you're feeding the homeless you don't want to feed the homeless you understand and that's that's the wrong heart because they wanted to see they want people to tap them tap them on the back and tell them oh good job feeding the homeless you understand so i will tell that's them right. that's your reward you want your reward on earth or you want your reward on heaven so it's where is your heart whether people tap you on the back or not are you going to feed the homeless and that's that's the good work that God puts in you. It's to give you that love for people that are living on the street, for people that have nothing to eat at times, for people that have no covering. You see, when you grow the heart for other people, for your neighbor, that's that's how you know that's from God. That's not from you. That's not from your desire for me to feel good because I'm feeding the homeless. No, it's, it's you're doing it because you love God. Because how Isaac was saying, it's we do it because he loved us first. Yeah. Not to get something out of it. It's because he loved us so much that we need to do it. We need to love on others because he loved yeah. us first. Amen. That's Amen. Right. Let me And let me just add something because... Uh, Melo, thanks for adding that. Remembering why you do it for God, not for personal gain. Thank Amen. you for that comment. Amen. Right on point. Because here, here's here's the point. What is acceptable to God? And this brings the focus like right back to Jesus. What makes dead works um, exactly dead works is that really to God, the standard is very high and it's called perfection. As a matter of fact, it's so high that only he could meet his own his own, own standard, standard. Right. right and so the the problem here is that you can add nothing and look let's just forget about what god is going to do for us let's just think about how close we feel to god it's like sometimes we feel i gotta go into prayer to feel closer to god or to get right with god or we we cloak dead works in such a way so let me first just say on the first point that we're discussing today, um, there is nothing you can do to Amen. get a better relationship and better standing um, than what Jesus already did. And so when you do that, when you try to substitute what Jesus did for what you can do, guess what you're doing? You're invalidating the sacrifice of Jesus. You're saying, hey, Jesus, yeah. I'm going to add what you did. I'm going to add on top of it. I'm going I'm going to go a little more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think Josh really uh, touched on it. Right. The scripture teaches us that man examines the outward, but God examines the heart, you know, and at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be the intention of the heart, you know, I think the opposite or the, the, the radical flip side is 
people are going to say, oh, well, you guys are saying then to not do anything, right? Some easy believism, and I think we'll get into that later on, but, but clearly no, right? We are his workmanship created for good works, the Bible says, right? We are, so we're created for good works, and this is that you would walk in them, you know? Yeah. So we're created for good works, and I think you guys are both making such a clear point here when we look at the difference between what we would call a dead work compared to a good work or a living work or uh, work glorified unto God, it's, it's the intention of the heart, right? The actions could be exactly the same. One guy gives and it's a dead work. The other guy gives and it's a good work, right? Because it's the intention. Of, so the action is not what's being examined, right? It's the intention, intention of the heart. And oftentimes we can't see that. I can't see what, what this other guy, I can't see his heart, but God does. Amen. Right, God knows, God sees, you know. And but yeah, we're called isn't to do that, works. Isn't that why at the end our works are gonna be tested later and, right. and our rewards are given? Because right now it's very hard to weigh them. Right now, it, right. we're not good arbiters to decide what is done faithfully and what is not, yeah. right? And so I want you to think about this because I know in our and our debates with ecclesiology and Isaac, I have gone years with this. Uh, Josh has witnessed some of some of my stubbornness in this area when we were congregated together in church. But when we talk about our ecclesiology, let's think about our worship, right? And so one of the things and one of my pet peeves was when you had those worship leaders tell the people, get up, stand up, lift your hands and, and start yeah. instructing the people on what to do. Um, you know, at, at the end of that, how's that any different than what the law was doing um, to Israel, where they would do things by rote? And that's what God had a problem with. God had a problem with that people were following the letter of the law. But he says, but your heart is so far sure. away from me, right? And so what we want in our churches are nobody should be telling you to worship God. You, you should be worship up, getting in there ready like a football game, like right? Like I'm going to church to worship. I'm pumped. I don't need no worship leader to tell me, get ready, get in the spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so what we what we find often is just this sort of like hypeism infiltrating the church to kind of get people into the move and you and you have to set the lights right and you have to set you know, the smoke machine, right. And, uh, and get the beach balls ready, you know, and two, two fast slow songs and slow song, a fast song. And you close on a slow song with the piano in the background. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yes. It's the, yes. It's the formula. It's the formula. It's a formula. And y'all you know, know what I'm talking about. Right. And, and it's why I was so endeared with organic church, at least the concept of organic church, sure. because it was just something that our faith comes from. And I love, uh, again, that's why I tip my hat so much to the Calvinists because they they so move into the depravity of our man and our inability to do things. Um, and it requires the light of God. It requires the Holy Spirit to do 100% of the regeneration, 100% of the resurrection, you know, being the born again, right? Mm. And then, you know, for us, we're being fruitful not because of what we add, but because of what the Holy Spirit did. And That's so, right. amen. So anything that we try to add in our works, what does that mean, Pastor or Ben? That means something very simple. It means that when you give, just give because you want to. And when you pray, pray because you want to. That's right. And, right. And then when you fast, fast because you want to. And, and, and let that be a part of your walk 
So you may say, well, what part does obedience play? Well, there, and maybe some other time we'll get into the difference between obedience from law and obedience from faith. There's a difference between the two. Yeah. But w- one is coming from a conviction of God's word. Another one is coming from the flesh. And we'll get some other time. That's where I'm diverging. Um, and so no, Isaac, I, I have something to add. Well, I was going to say real quick, I think, I think it's good because, because maybe, maybe you should diverge a little bit just to bring about a little clarity, right? Because sometimes we, we say pray if you want to, but you know, sometimes you got to pray even if you don't want to, and that's the obedience of faith, right? And so I don't want people to think, well, then don't give because you're cheap and you never want to, you know what I mean? And don't uh, pray because you're stubborn, right? And you never want to. I think at the end of the day, uh, I think what Ben Carlos is saying is, is accurate in that sometimes we, we, there are moments in which what we do, we do, for example, we're just going to use giving, right? So we, we give in faith and we say, I, I give because of what God gave. Other times we give because we know that, that God, I know I'm messed up and I don't want to give, but, but thanks be to you. I'm going to give, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. I'm going to give, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and not because I think I'm going to gain anything, but because of who you are, God. And, and I, I may not want to give, and I definitely, you know, those barrio tacos, are looking good and I'm going to spend this money. These kids are expensive, but I'm going to give anyway. You know, <laughs> uh, sometimes we just have to move forward. And there's dead works, but there's also faithful obedience. Amen. That's, that's vital. I'm, I didn't Amen. mean to cut you off, Josh. I think it was just a good point to elaborate on. You're good. Yeah, right, I, 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 you were going to say, Josh? No, I'm, I'm what you guys said, you hit it, hit it on the head. Hit it on the head. Okay. Well, you know, exactly. You know, I let me, I'll, I'll just, hit a clarity point because you're right i did open that pandora's box here's the thing um the difference between the two is um when you do something in obedience based on what you hear from the word of god that is Mm -hmm. a fruitful that is a spiritual sacrifice and god receives it right and so you know um i don't want to give man i really don't want to give but then you get a conviction from the spirit right and, and you sense that conviction, you know what his word says, and you're thinking on it, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to obey what God's word says, right? I need to be a cheerful giver. I need to be open to giving. Uh, and so I'm just going to pour out um, from my heart to God, I, I, and I'm going to do it in faith. Uh, you know, my flesh may not want to, but man, my spirit I w- wants to do it, right? Okay. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is, is weak. weak. And so we make the division of the two. Paul says, that which I want to do, I don't do. And then he says, I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. So there is our regenerates there where we have the mind of Christ where in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where it talks about that. And so what I'm saying is, if you're, you know, if you're battling prayer, you're just not a person who prays. The first thing I have to ask you is, yeah, occasionally you're not going to want to pray and you should do it in obedience. But if your life is marked where you never want to pray, you never want to go to church, you never want to seek the things of God, you got mm. a bigger problem on your plate because there we're lacking the evidence of a new man and a new creation. And, and so this is just something I'm going to throw out there because I know that some of you may say, well, you know, I never want to pray. Never. Well, never is a problem right occasionally don't want to pray that's one thing never want to pray well that that's that that might be something else but i digress 
And so here's the other, here's it going to the second subject and question that I have is, um, why do we do these dead works? I mean, it almost seems like we have like this um, superstitious sort of relationship with God, where I remember in Hialeah back in Florida, when I used to live in Florida, where the Cubans, and I love my Cuban people, this is not a slam, but Cubans would always have like the rosary or have a picture of Jesus, maybe San have Lázaro. San Lázaro, San have Lázaro the Bible, the, the big, the big statues in front of the houses. Yeah. Yeah. Or have the Bible open at the end of their bed. Like, like just having a, a Bible open was going to somehow protect you in your area. And we Talking all of us, Cubans, me and Isaac still live in, in my, in my <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but you get what I'm saying is that, we have a lot of superstitious beliefs. So I, I got to just throw it out there. How do superstitions try to invalidate the sacrifice? Oh, man. It's, this is, you know, you talk about Pandora's box, man. I have a list. I have like 52 verses now that I have to cover. You, know, <laughs> you guys tell me not to give too many verses, and then Isaac opens up with 20. So I got hey. to pick up. But in reality, there's so many things that we validate his sacrifice. You know, he died for us, Isaiah 53. You know, he, he, he suffers so much for us. And then we do things that, to me, I used to say when I used to teach the man in, in my previous churches, I used to tell him sometimes we slap Christ. We slap his effort. We slap his sacrifice, everything he did for us. You know, and, and it's, it doesn't make sense sometimes that the things, you know, it's, it's all, all things that don't make sense. If you read the Bible in context, you notice that a lot of the things that we've been taught, you know, or we see on TV or we see in YouTube does not make sense when you read the context. All we got to do is study the Bible. Uh, on Mark uh, 2, 21 and 22 says, uh, no one saws a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst into the skins and the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins. But the new wine is for fresh wineskins. And that's what I see in a lot of churches is they're mixing the old covenant with the new covenant. There's no bigger way, no bigger insult to Jesus than when you're mixing the law with grace we are under grace jesus died for a reason it's it's to to abolish the law it, it's to release us from the burden of the law and that's what i see in a lot of churches and because of that there's just so many things that that, that they 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 just continue doing you know it, it i have a list here I, i'm just gonna go through a few really quick and and it says the name it and claim it you know, if you if you study the name and the name it and claim it, it's not about faith. It's not biblical. It's it's from some old books, some some books that say that we have to align with the universe. All right, and when we align with the universe, we have to we have to think. Okay, it, it's like praying to the universe, and and if we think hard enough, those things are gonna come through, and if those things come through, then why do we need Jesus? Why do we need a savior if we have the power within us to to make these things into existence? You know, uh, there's, you know, in, in uh, generational curses, in generational mm -hmm. curses, again, we have been blessed 
with all blessings. I, I, I've heard so many times, you know, where they go to Malachi 3, 9, you know, it, it, it's you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation. You know, they preach that asking for money. Okay, but if we have been blessed, how can we be cursed? That's my question to them and nobody can ever answer me. You know, in Ephesians 1, 3, in the introduction of Ephesians, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So can can somebody explain to me, if we have been blessed with all blessings, how can we be cursed? You see, they, they cannot tell me. Again, they're slapping Jesus. They're telling us that we can be cursed. No, we we have been freed from the curse of the law from any curse because of his sacrifice you know deliverance we talk go back to the first video deliverance they say christians can be christians can be demon possessed again they're slapping jesus they say he's not strong enough to keep us safe from the devil you know yeah yeah you know, what i've always said that you know the funny thing is that i and again i just repeat over and over in my mind it's like okay so when the holy spirit seals the believer yeah. Like what crack did it leave open? Yeah. You know, like God claims property over us as the seal indicates, right? And mm -hmm. and and he's coming to redeem it. We belong to him. And it's like he mm -hmm. left the back door open so a demon can possess the leg. You know, I just yeah. never understood that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, real real quick, it's funny that that verse is it's interesting because I think when people think seal, they think like a Ziploc bag. You know, like they think like the Holy Spirit is shoved into the Ziploc bag, which is our body, and then it's sealed. And then maybe the enemy can crack open a little slit. But the word sealed there is more like uh, if you ever seen a, it's king, a stamp from uh, a king, it, it's a signet stamp from a king. Yeah. Right. Which basically shows his authority over that. Right. So if I gave you a letter and I said this letter is for Josh and then he puts his stamp on it, punishable by death. If anyone was to open that letter other than Josh. Amen. Right. So it's not like the spirit is sealed in us like a Ziploc bag. Instead, we are sealed with the signet kingly power of Jesus. You know, and there's a there's a big difference there. Yeah. You know so, what they say? You, it, the, what they say is that Ziploc that you just spoke of is the spirit is inside the Ziploc, but the Ziploc can be demon possessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so it makes sense. It's we, a complete invalidation. So it, it really doesn't make sense. The, the last thing that really kills me in, 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 in a previous church, I was in charge of the prayer on worship, you know, and I, I, I had to get the songs ready, you know, with the lyrics and all that stuff and talk about worship. How do we slap God, Jesus, our creator, than to sing songs that do not worship him, mm. you know, the worship is not for us. The worship is for him. Okay, he died to give us freedom. And what do we do? We sing, we tell God that he's reckless, you know. We <laughs> say that holy oh, water. Oh, come on. That's not fair. That's not Holy water feels good, you know, in our skin. You know, we talk about, you know, uh, songs that don't even mention God or Jesus. Amen. We, Amen. We, we, sing, we sing about songs that that just repeat there's vain repetitions that mean nothing i i loved what your father used to do uh carlos and it's that 
he if he if he found a song that he liked but he had he would change the lyrics he changed the lyric and we, he we would change the lyrics to be more theological we, we used to hear the song on the radio and amen like, hey, that's not amen. how it goes but but that's that's what a worship leader should do in my new church man pastor jerry he goes every, every when i started going to that church and i told him the word was good it was edifying but what really put the seal on me deciding to move my family was worship every single worship song was edifying god it was worshiping god you know mm -hmm. everything was you know forget us you know kind of like it's not about us and and man that that really put the seal on on me moving to the church because worship was Amen. beautiful and, and to me that that that's great because it's not about us it's it's about him our worship belongs to him and no one else amen i love amen. that you, that you know in regard so to the generational curses a verse comes to my mind from ezekiel where it says no longer shall the uh, no longer shall the son suffer the iniquity of the father, nor the father the iniquity of the son. You know, and I wonder, like, how do they forget that? I have a two-hour teaching on that, on, on generational curses. If I'll send it to you, Isaac. I know you love my teachings with 500 <laughs> verses. <laughs> well, listen, and, and there's a furthermore, and I've always said this and I've never understood, but, you know, when Paul tells the Romans there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Like literally they're, 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 a curse is designed to condemn, to mark you. Sure. And not it's only you, death. but your family. Yeah. And it's so death. you're kicked out, you know, it, it could be many things, you know, it could be physical death. It could be you're casted out, you know, it, it could mean many things, but in Christ, it can't happen. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, and for those of you, what do you mean by, man, what do you mean by superstitious? There, there are so many things we do, even in our, in, in our prayer life, there, there are superstitious things that we, uh, like, I'm going to tell you something that was very popular within the charismatic TBN crowd, which is a point of contact, right? So they would use like a cloth that oh yeah you know what i mean no no it, you know that's just a point of contact so that's like a priest but not a priest just an object you know what yeah. i mean and so we were used these funny terms and um and and it was very odd like or how about when we import things from jerusalem you know because you know they're anointed. From the <laughs> yeah water from the jordan they're anointed you know and or you know, I, i'm gonna go further um, you would hear even within our camp, you know, we're all charismatics here. Um, it, you know, in our camp, the crazies in our camp, right? The the redheaded stepchildren, the ones that that we wouldn't leave our kids with. But you know, the the they have like these ideas of the anointing. When they say the anointing, they oh, yeah. they see it like some mystical fog or like a like an essence of God that just kind of falls on you and it can be transferred like it's like a like like bluetooth spiritual bluetooth that i can ping you and send something to you and they and they almost see it like it's under our control in our domain and we get very superstitious so you see you scroll through facebook and you see three things to, that can cause you to lose your anointing and it's like well remember remember it's not popular anymore but you'll remember this carlos because you grew up in the church Remember when the charismatics, they, the, the real crazy charismatics would go to 
a powerful charismatic preacher's grave and lay on his and, and soul they would soul anointing suck they would like that's called grace like so absorb the power yeah. of the anointing grace of the so, dead yeah. bethel bethel yeah, Beth so and then they said well look at elijah and elijah uh, elisha and elijah you know what i mean and he passed his anointing and so they would go to these grave sites and like lay on oh man it's it's absolute superstition it completely slaps jesus as a uh, and his sacrifice it tries to make null and void the work of god absolutely well and how so anymore how so yeah well, jesus but is not enough anymore there you go they i asked i was talking to someone and i said okay tell me which anointing is the most you know the 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 one that you want you know i was i was actually talking having a conversation with someone i'm like what which one is it you know is the is the the esther anointing is it the elijah <laughs> anointing is it the daniel anointing what because they all have names you know what i mean like and and essentially these names create and elevate who yep. they they elevate the prophet they elevate yep. esther they elevate these characters so then i said listen listen i want the anointing of the holy spirit that dwells in me that jesus gives me where okay. when he ascended he held a whole host captive and he set them free and he gave us gifts I, I want Jesus's anointing. I don't yeah. want Daniel's anointing. Why would I settle for Daniel's anointing when I can have the anointing of the Holy Spirit fill me and dwell me and empower me? Listen, every single person from the old covenant is jealous of us. You know, you ask them, what is it that you want? And they all will tell you, I want the Holy Spirit to live in me. That's it. There's nothing else. They, what anointing do you need? We have the Holy Spirit in us. We don't need anything else. Jesus is enough. Amen. Amen. And this is why in Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, my favorite verse of all time, which is what we are complete in Christ. We are complete. Amen. And when you look at that word complete, it means you're not missing anything. And so here's the thing. When you come to Christ and you're seeking more, it's because you're saying you didn't fill my cup enough. You weren't enough. And again, that is, as us Hispanics would say, un bofetao to the Lord. That's like smacking him and, and really, really just making that sacrifice uh, just insufficient. It really is. Yeah. There's just no other way to say it. Yeah. Anyone have anything to add about this before I move on? Just no more Spanish, Ben, please. Okay. <laughs> you got it. You got it. My pleasure. All right. So here's the here's the thing. And so we're going to move into a slightly little di different direction because I think there's a third thing that we do that um, I think invalidates the sacrifice, at least the intent of the sacrifice. And that is how secularism or liberalism invalidates mm. the sacrifice of christ you know and so i kind of want us to wrap our heads around this because this is becoming a very big problem in the church and it's it's everywhere it's not only in the pentecostal church it's a huge problem with the southern baptist the reformed church well oh, it's yep. it's infiltrated the in the reformed church uh, at least the newly ones the new the new folks and and, and in the hip hop community, it's there, and um, and we are seeing the impacts of this. So, talk to me a little bit about um, how you think secularism, liberalism, 
is affecting the the church yeah i mean i remember i was looking for a church when i first came out here and as we stated earlier i am i'm reformed i'm a calvinist and so i'm looking for a church and i went to uh, an old um, church planning network called x x29 i believe it is and uh it was started by mark driscoll who who i enjoy his teachings and and uh, his positions on a lot of things and i said let me check but i knew he wasn't leading it any longer right he left it to matt chandler but i haven't really been following those guys too much and i visit this church and uh, i find a church on the network and i visit the church and and i enjoy the service but you begin to hear things and key words and key phrases and and inclusion and and ensuring that there's diversity and diverse colors of people and and all these weird things and i'm thinking to myself what what's happening here? Well, come to find out, you know, the church was right on the cusp of being completely woke, you know, uh, Southern, uh, uh, completely, completely woke. I, I spoke to him and, and, um, I spoke to the, got a chance to speak to the pastor. And after just dialoguing with him, I realized that this was not going to be a fit for me, for my home, for my family, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Right. And so the last thing I need my kids, uh, to do is be exposed to, to this nonsense. And it's a complete invalidation of, of, again, the work of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ, what he's done. When we begin to put distinctions between individuals based on gender, based on race uh, and ethnicity, um, it completely devaluates what Christ has done in making us one body, uh, one new person in him, right? So, yeah, it's, it's, actually, it's actually pretty heartbreaking. It's pretty sad. I thought that the reform guys would be the last vestige of hope, you know, and, and they are making a turn left uh, in ways that are unfathomable. John MacArthur, by God's grace, will be with the Lord soon. Uh, you know, he's not doing too well. He's, he's older. He's, his health is failing. And so we pray for him. But that generation, R.C. Sproul, he's already with the Lord. And, you know, and this, this, the older generation has passed. Thank God. You, you, for, you all still have Vody. We have Vody Bakum and, and we still have Mark Driscoll, who's made a complete turn. I, I think some people had doubts about him in his youth and, and how he was. And I think if you look at who he is today and, and the role he's taken more as a father figure, as opposed to the young rebel, um, he's really matured in a way that I think is, is beautiful. You know, of course, we have the Apologia Church guys and, and all of that who are standing firm. But it's a tragedy tragedy to see what's happening uh, with this woke culture, you know. Amen. Amen. You know, what, when I think about the dangers and when I think about how it invalidates the sacrifice of Christ, it, it brings me and I'm going to read it. Romans chapter six, verse one, Romans chapter six, verse one. And it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know? that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And my issue where I see this is, and this is huge for me, as I, as I kind of look and try to compare and contrast to the world is that we have a world that is saying, hold on, I'm a Christian, but I refuse to die. I, I'm a Christian and I demand the church be tolerant about my sexual identity that runs in contrast to what the word of God says 
and to the nature of Christ and 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 his essence and what what he's given us. And so we see this gender fluidity coming to the church. We start actually opening up the ideas of can you be gay and Christian? Can you be XYZ and Christian? Can you be whatever? Fill in the blank in Christian. And my point is no, because you're not supposed to be alive. And so, what we, right? So, you know, when I, the, the message to the gospel, when I read this verse, I see two things that stand out on me. You know, first thing, and this is huge, you know, grace is the commodity or it's the economy of a person who's ready to die. You know, God deals with us by grace because the law had its perfect work. And what was the work of the law? It's the tutor to bring us to Christ, right? And so what grace is that humble state where you say, you know what, I'm a sinner. Um, my life is completely uh, devoid of God. I need redemption. My ideas are wrong. My lifestyle's wrong. This is what the law's doing in us, right? How is the law completing its work in us if what we're saying is, no, I was born this way. God made me gay. You know, how is the law um, being fulfilled in us uh, if what we're doing is pushing back against it? And so here is my point, okay? Because while grace has the end result of the law, what you, many, many of you, what you have is a false gospel that you've believed in that says Jesus died for your sin and and you don't have to die jesus died for you right okay. and it's like what we talked about in paul washer what he just said was oh well so so jesus wants to make my life great yeah so jesus wants to make you the dynamic gay duo and make great and awesome christian and live this you know fake life uh yeah that, that's the jesus i want listen that is not the calling how do we knew this because listen to the second part of this verse you die so that you can have a new life. And that last part of that verse is so we can walk in newness of life. Amen. Right? And so here's the point for you to say, well, you know, Jesus died for me, but I refuse to walk in newness of life. That is a, that is a slap in the face to what Jesus did on the Calvary because he did it so that you can have new life. When Paul says you're a new creation, he, he's he's say, stating it as a matter of fact. And so Amen. there is that false gospel where we come in on Easter Sunday church and you're probably going to go to one because they have the perfect Easter egg hunts for your kid. They have the photo stations for you to go and take your little Instagram photos and upload them and and, and have fun and smile and laugh for your Easter Sunday. And then you're going to hear that 20-minute message, right? You had 30-minute egg hunt. You had 30-minute worship service. And you're going to hear your 20-minute sermon that's going to say how loving Jesus is. And he wants to take your sin away and give you fire insurance. And there's nothing you need to worry about. Okay? Um, there, there's no death on your part that you have to go into. So... Uh, so talk to me, guys. I, I, I mean, do you see that as a problem? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Um, if you go to first, uh, first Peter two fifteen and sixteen, 
uh, it says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover for evil, but living as servants of God. And it's what we see in a lot of churches is they do whatever they want without worrying what's going to happen. You know, they do, like you said, their focus, it's like the beginning video. It's the eggs. It's it's certain things. And I know, I know some pastors are trying to fill up the church. Some pastors are trying to preach the gospel. But sometimes we go back to the beginning. We go back to where is the focus? Is the focus the gospel, saving people, repentance, getting them to turn away from their sins? Or is the focus the pictures? Is the focus the, the having fun? Where, where's the focus? You know, when we focus away from God, that's where we're going to lead. You know, we're, it says here, again, I'm, I'm going to read it again. You know, it's, it's leave, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover for evil. Because that's where it leads. When you don't put your focus on God... When you don't put your focus on what's holy, you're putting your focus on what's evil. You know, the egg is not evil. The egg cannot contain evil. But if our focus is the egg and not God, that becomes evil. That's the intent of yeah. the heart. Where is your heart? Is your heart up or down? Amen. Well, let me let me throw something because I, I had a, I was watching a Ruslan episode and I just about went back and let me tell you something he's recently been on point i love him I, I love watching his show he he's certainly the within the last six or eight months he's gotten a little more theologically conservative and i don't know a, who he is. A, okay you don't know who he is uh, check him out when you get a chance but yeah. he said something to me he had some guy on the show where they were talking about um being wins like like having a winsome approach when reaching the gospel, right? And so they, they, you know, so someone was saying how, you know, using pronouns in order to reach someone who's maybe in the LGBT community, that we should, Christians should use pronouns, right? And so this person wrote an article who said, you know, I was doing it to be winsome, you know, for the Christ, for the sake of Christ, but uh, I, the Lord convicted me and showed me that I was in error because I'm actually lying to someone, affirming a pronoun that doesn't exist. Um, and in order, in other words, starting the gospel off with a lie in order mm -hmm. to win someone. And so they were, they were convicted by it. And so, uh, Ruslan's position was, well, you know, the Bible says, to the Jew, I became as a Jew in order that I may win. And he used this Bible verse to totally justify possibly doing that as a means to to bring. And so uh, for me, I'm concerned because the church, and, and this is indicative of our generation. I'm sorry, millennials and Z generation. This, this hangs on you. My own generation has its own bag to worry about. But, you know, the, the problem is that we're all so up in our feelings, right? Th those two generations are so up in their feelings that the church has feels that in order to reach them, they almost have to address how they feel first. And so do you think that's something that we should be engaged in? 
it's like like Bodhi Bakum says, he says, how come we're going to speak against homosexuality? We have to give a 15 minute apology. You yeah, know, yeah, we have to go. Oh, I love you. I, you know, I'm not trying to say I hate you, and I'm not homophobic, but you know, you're right. You're right. Uh, and it's because people are scared. They don't want to be canceled. They don't want people to to walk away and uh, you know walk up and, and leave the church. And again, if we if we have to apologize for the word of God, uh, what are we doing? You know, who are we um, serving? Are we serving these people? No, we don't have to apologize for the word of God. Look, this is what the word of God says. I I'm sorry that you feel this way, but this is what the word of God says. I'm not going to apologize for the word of God, you know, and I feel bad, you know, maybe that, that you're sad, but this is the truth. If you feel sad and if you feel bad because of what I'm telling you, that that's the Holy Spirit convicting you of your sin. And that's that's our job to do. It's it, we have to convict you, convict you of sin, from the Word of God, because that that's God guiding us. He's He's talking to us through His Word of what we're doing wrong. Absolutely, you know it's crazy because we we say it all the time. I I say it all the time. What you win them with is what you win them to, right? What you win them with is what you win them to. And so I think Melo made a good point here. Um, he says, it reminds me, I read Paul Washer, if you use carnal means to attract men, you are going to attract carnal men. Absolutely. What you win them with is what you got to keep them with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, at, at the end of the day, and I guess we can go off on a tangent as to why people choose to do those kind of things. Churches become quite the business, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, you got to pay for the infrastructure and all that jazz. You know, so you got to bring in the masses. But, you know, the church is not... The building, the church is not uh, the, the the horde of people. The church is the body of Christ, the fellowship of believers to the glory of God. That's the church. That's the church. And so they say, well, you know, uh, we, you send a doctor to sick people. Yes, because we in the church are dead and Christ makes us alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but But the church is not necessarily your neighbor. If your neighbor is not in Christ, the church is those who are in christ so so we must preach the gospel that they would be in christ and when they're in christ they can be part of the church but the formula is all mixed up because we're using a business formula and not a biblical formula amen and i amen. think that was your big push ben back when we were looking at organic church you know and i, I really love the model of organic church i really loved what uh, francis chan began to do with his model of his version of organic church and these other communities as well um, and I'm not saying the house church model is necessarily the way to go or the only way. Um, it's one. It's one. It's it's one. It's one way that that can be utilized to the glory of God. Just Amen. like the traditional style church can be utilized sure. to the glory of God. Amen. But then use it to the glory of God. Amen. You know, don't don't use it to fill fill seats in order to pay a mortgage that you can't afford in the first place. Yeah. Right. That that yep. was not the intention of the church. The church is a fellowship of believers. Amen. Amen. You know, at at, at this it, the. I've always said that the nucleus of the problem is, and it's, and until we don't start reading contextually, right? Until we don't start really breaking down scripture and reading it in context, we need to understand that when the church was created, the blueprint of the church was never to open its doors to this, to the public and say, hey, y'all come in and get saved in here. When you read the book of Acts, I mean, they went out, they preached the gospel, right. they brought the people saved already into the church, 
and the church, meaning into its uh, services, what we call our church service, when we would come together as the ecclesia, they would pray, eat, and, and learn, right? They would disciple and learn the word of God. And, and that, those were the training grounds. I mean, church is the training ground of dying and sanctification and growing and maturing. And then today, what the church has become is your babysitter. And it's also become, you know, the playground and and the Christian Chuck E. Cheese. And, and it's become all these different apparatuses, programs, and programs upon programs. It's where you go on Sunday to hear an uplifting message, right? And, and, and it's not a place where you go preparing to die. And so I think th there's a bigger issue at play. I think if you... Getting to root causes are going to be important, but um, I love Josh that you hit something on, which is that we're always seeding a point. We're always looking to concede, and we talked about this last week. But I think the danger right now where the church is at is that we're always trying to appeal to the world to say, "Hey, you know, like us. Hey, uh, we're really not that bad, you know," or we try to agree with a point. Um, that the world makes about us in order to open dialogue. And we use these uh, dogma ideas like, you know, we need to have dialogue. You know, we, we need to dialogue with the left. And listen, please, church, open your eyes. I'm going to say this so clearly. We live in a country that's free. Okay? I get it if you were in another country, but we're in a country that grants you the freedom to speak and the freedom to exercise your conscience. And we are, the church are the biggest wimps when it comes to exercising our moral values in public, okay? That doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. It just means that you get to exercise your thought. It means you get to vote your convictions. It means that you get to be a voice you get to have a voice you you get to decide if you want to take your child to a library where trans is not going to dance in front of them and teach them stuff you know you should be able to go eat breakfast at a little diner without it being trans you know dance night or dance morning and and, and have to see that you get a choice yeah. in that you get a choice whether your daughter has to be in a locker room with a biological male you get a voice in that. And instead, we are cowarding because we want to seem tolerant. And that is becoming a problem in the church where we're ceding, conceding ground in order to seem and be perceived as loving and tolerant. How much of that problem do you think that we have with that? And how do we combat that, folks? We continue coming back to that tolerance, you know, and, and it. That's a that's a nasty word as a Christian because we're we're not called to tolerate anyone. We're called to spread the gospel. The gospel is the truth, and when we say the truth, it, it's gonna convict people. And and people are too sensitive nowadays because they say that if you're telling them the truth, that you're being hateful. And we're not being hateful. We love you guys. We we if if you're offended by my words, which the words are from God then that we hit we hit the nail on the head you know because that's that's what the word of god does the word of god penetrates us all right it convicts us it makes us change 
if if we're hateful to you then then it's 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 not doing its job stop being offended just receive the word of god see see how how the word of god uh it's, it's just so convicting you know i paul washer you started with paul washer man every time he speaks even if if we're saved we're christians his words are, are rough man they're like daggers sometimes especially uh regarding works we know he he was from the jungle of peru you know he was a missionary he did so much you know for for the word of god to be spread and and when we compare ourselves to some of the stuff that he's done we're nothing but it, even though we're saved we still got to continue working we st we can't just give up and and what's going on with the word of god uh, nowadays with with the lgbt lgbt whatever the the alphabet people it's it's just despicable how, how they're making it seem as we're nazis when, when what we do it we love them we want them to be safe we want them to to the the, the suicide rate on 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 those people it's it's ridiculous it's astronomical because it doesn't matter and and what's funny is before the suicidal rate was at a number and now that they're accepted the number is still the same nothing has changed it doesn't matter how much people accept you the only one that you need acceptance from is Christ our Lord. He's the only one that could heal you. He's the only one that could truly love you and accept you. Not as you are, okay? But as he created you. That's it. Ooh, fire. That's what I'm talking about right there. He loves you. He accepts you for what he created you to be. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. One last thing and one last point that I kind of want to throw out there. And, and and it's still in the same vein of what we're talking about. But we talk a lot about free grace and lordship theology. Maybe that's going to be our next topic next week because it follows sort of in the same route that we're, we're really sure. claw clawing What's free at. Grace? grace is free. What do you mean? <laughs> well, free grace meaning that uh, you don't, grace, it's, funny like how, it's funny how terms can be so deceptive, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it, yeah free grace doesn't mean what you think it sounds like. And yeah, free, theology doesn't mean what you think it sounds it for like. The yeah. people. I mean, so, so essentially, <laughs> it's it's sort of like salvation without repentance, you know? Okay. So, you All know, right. essentially, you just, you know, the pastor tells you, hey, look, raise your hand. Now, don't get me. Everybody has their own version of it. Hey, you like, saw the video I sent you, uh, Ben, about no. that? No, um, I gotta check it out. Take a look at it. The pastor saying like, it doesn't matter what you do, if you. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, dude. I saw it. You know, so but but you know what? That is common within the one safe, don't waste safe circles. Different oh, from so bad. different from reformed theology. Or, you know, yeah, the one safe perseverance of the saints. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the one safe, don't waste safe theology is hey, you can do whatever you want. You're still gonna be saved. Yeah. You know, whereas the you know, the perseverance of the saints is if you ain't doing what God says, it's probably because you're not yeah. saved. Right. And yeah. so, so the idea, the idea that I, I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll finish it on this point and then we'll all pray. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of let everyone know um, how to know Christ. If you're watching and you don't know Jesus Christ or you think you do, but after hearing this, you're like, well, maybe I don't know. Um, I want you to understand something. There is a middle ground and we'll, we'll get to that, but, you know, the, what God expects from us has nothing to do with a work. That's the first thing. You're not going to be able to do anything to make God accept you. What you need to do is humble yourself, hear the word of God, 
and let the law have its perfect work in you. And that law, listen, the law is created to tell you that you are incapable of presenting anything of value to God. So your identity is not valuable to God. How you were born, your sexuality, that's not important to God. And, and, and all of those things, Paul says, are counted a loss to gain Christ. So we lose our identity. We lose our culture. We lose our pre preconceived notions. We lose our politics. We, we lose it all for the sake of Christ. And you know what Jesus starts to do? He starts to reconstruct you. And he starts to change your thoughts and your inner man. He starts to change your opinion, your point of references. You know what I mean by my point of references. Before you argue a point, there is something you use to back up your point. There's some Twitter post or some Facebook uh, thing you subscribe to or some Instagram account that you're going to try repeating as, as your point of reference, right? And so, you know, I want us to think about um, did we come to Christ that way? Did we come to Christ dead because the law had its perfect work with us? Amen. Let's pray. Let's close out this session, folks. And really, let's pray for those people that we know maybe are religious, going to church, probably going to go to Easter Sunday, have their egg roll, you know, egg roll. Egg roll. I'll egg, take an egg roll. Egg hunt, right? Heck yeah, I'll go. Yeah, we should do that, right? We're going to have an egg roll Easter Sunday. We're going to have a mega egg stuffed with egg rolls, bro. Let's go. Yeah, so let's pray. And let's pray for everybody else um, and, 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 and pray that they come to know Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the people listening. Maybe for the people who are being influenced by the secular idea of who you are, Lord. Maybe they've been bitten by that tolerant bug. And, and you know, Lord, we get to submit. We have the honor and the privilege to submit everything to you in worship um, and allow you to inform us about who we are, uh, how you, who you created us to be, Lord, and how you would like us to live for you. And so we pray, Lord, that if there's anybody listening, that they don't know you, that they come to know you for who you say you are, not for what a book says, not from what a person says, but from what you say you are, Lord. We thank you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you've heard Amen. this broadcast and you said, hey, you know what? I want to believe in that Jesus. I, I want to know more about that Jesus. Or, hey. You know what? I, I, I've been going to church, but yeah, man, I'm mixed up in that theology. I'm confused. I want to talk about it some more. Send us an email. Let us know. You can reach us at info at patriotcollective.biz. Okay, so write us an email or send us a message through Facebook or YouTube. Put a comment and we'll address it. We'll try to reach out to you. If, if, look, even if you have a differing opinion and you kind of want to Kind of go back in a respectful, always respectful way, but go back and forth. We, we can organize something. We'll have you on live and we can all talk through things. Absolutely. But, right. But the important point is that you raise your voice. You say something. Don't suffer in silence. Don't stay in confusion. Don't be arrogant and think you have all the solutions. Right. Be open. Um, I thank you for listening. I thank you for being a part of what we're doing. And we will talk to you soon. God bless you. God bless.